Hi there. Want to get a text message whenever we publish a new episode of the Mindset Digital Podcast? It's a super easy one-click shortcut to the show. To sign up, just text MSDPOD, that's M-S-D-P-O-D, all one word, to 555-888 and we'll get you started. Good times. From the intersection of social media, learning, and technology, it's the Mindset Digital Podcast. In today's episode, the Mindset Digital team breaks down Facebook's latest privacy woes, talks about Mark Zuckerberg's recent testimony to Congress, and where Facebook seems to be heading next. Plus, a new mindsetter takes on the challenge of finding something on the internet guaranteed to make you laugh. Speaking of laughable woes, here's Mindset Digital Creative Director, Pete Brown. Thank you, Briavel. You're sounding great. Hello again, everybody. It's been a bit of time since we've gotten a podcast out here at Mindset Digital. I apologize for that, and I appreciate you tuning in today. It's just been a busy, busy place here at the agency. But it's been quite a lot going on that we've been talking about in the office, and we wanted to share some of it with you, particularly with Facebook, which has been in the news quite a bit recently uh, for a number of different things. We recorded this podcast just after Mark Zuckerberg spent a day testifying to Congress. Now, we're not experts on this situation, so this discussion is, is us sort of breaking down what happened, but really talking about it in light of uh, how how we all use Facebook and similar services. So I was pleased to have Mike Taylor and Jen Michaels join me for the conversation. And if nothing else, uh, hopefully it will help you sort of rethink what you're doing on Facebook or at least understand a little bit more about how data about you is being shared and used in the world. But it's not all serious today either. We've got a new employee here, new video editor, who's taking on the Something on the Internet Guaranteed to Make Me Laugh Challenge. That's always exciting. Looking forward to what she has. And, you know, we love having Matt Wiener on the podcast. We always get a little bump in our numbers. So at the very end of the show today, I bring Wiener in for a few minutes to talk about something. Uh, He was completely cold. He had no idea what I was going to throw at him. And I'm going to save it as a surprise for you too. But we're closing out the show with friend of the podcast, Matt Wiener. So there's a lot to like in today's show, and there's a lot to get through. So let's just jump in now. Here's my conversation with Mike Taylor and Jen Michaels about Facebook. Okay, so we've got Jen Michaels and Mike Taylor in the studio. Good to see you guys. Hey, Pete. Hey, Pete been a while since we've done this because everybody has been crazy busy. Mike, were you on the road last week? Yeah, I was in Seattle last week teaching a storyline course for ATD. Nice. And you are in and out on the road? I am. Lots of live events and uh, lots of web sessions, too. So, very good. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you're, you, so, that's when you go in the office there and then you're in there for like hours and then because you're, you're doing live coaching. That's the one. That's yep. exactly right. Okay. Well, uh, Today, we're going to be talking about Facebook. Uh, this isn't what is Facebook. I think we've established that. But we're going to be talking about their their latest round of troubles. And as Jen came in, she said, this is the first time I've had to cram for a podcast. Uh, I read Wired Magazine did a big cover story on Mark Zuckerberg last month. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was even before some of this latest stuff happened. Uh, but I read that and I thought this would be an interesting thing to talk about. So just in terms of background, we'll really talk about Facebook in that 2014, 2015 when they started making 
it easier for you to share third-party publishers' content on the platform, right? Because your news feed used to be, here's my friend's news. And now all of a sudden it was, here's the, the big news, right? And then publishers were publishing natively on Facebook. And they kind of still had their their take was, we're just a platform. And people use the platform for what they use it for. Um, and then the 2016 election happened. Lots of false stories were, were spread there. So that kind of brings us up to, uh, they were looking into what happened in the 2016 election, how the platform was used or misused, uh, either by uh, people in the U.S. or by foreign actors. And uh, they had discovered a, was this a data leak? What? Pete's looking at us like. Yeah. So, so tell us more, Pete. What do you mean a data leak? Are you talking about the thing where they think possibly some Russian hackers were involved? Is that what we're talking about? I guess it is. I guess you do have to to narrow it down with Facebook. I'm, that can mean so many things talking, these days. I'm talking more about uh, Cambridge Analytica. Yeah, the gra- app grabbing data. Yeah, that it wasn't supposed to have. So I, I I don't know if that's a data leak or it was just a fault in how how it was designed. Okay, sure. Yeah, I can try and take that. Sure. So let's start with Cambridge Analytica and what they do. So I think. That's something I didn't fully understand until I crammed for this podcast. So Cambridge Analytica is named after University of Cambridge, where this guy was a PhD candidate, and he developed some predictive algorithms, some calculations, essentially, where he could look at things that you were liking on social media. And if you had enough of them, um, he could identify the psychometric profile of you. So just looking at things you like, he could get to the point where he could predict things about what you would like or dislike better than your friends or maybe better Mm. than your parents. If he had enough likes, he could predict better than your romantic partner. Mm. So what makes Cambridge Analytica a little bit different in a world where there's lots of data gathering, you know, that the grocery store knows what I buy through my loyalty card, my credit card company knows, like there's lots and lots of data tracking in the world. But what makes Cambridge Analytica a little bit special is that they're building these psychometric profiles. They know things like, are you the kind of person who really worries about your personal safety? Are you the kind of person who really worries about tradition? So they know those sorts of things about you. And that becomes important when you're looking at political ads, because then you could serve people, not just political ads on a particular part of the spectrum. You can serve an ad that really speaks to them psychologically, you know, matches their values and matches what they care about. So I've where are we now, Pete? So we're getting to the, the data leak thing? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so Facebook has all of these third-party apps that you can log into or give permission to. So things like games or quizzes or right. personality tests that you decide mm-hmm. to take online and send with your friends. What Game of Thrones character are you? Exactly. Right. Which Game of Thrones character are you? I'm Tyrion, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I am unsurprised by that. Um, that's very flattering, actually. I think mine was like way less flattering. I was, you know, Varys or something. Anyway, but when you click through to those apps, there's these subtle little warnings in fine print that say, hey, you give this app permission to have some of your Facebook data. And that's how they're doing it to share it and all of this. So they're getting things from you. There was one particular app that I forget the name of it, but this particular app, if you shared with it, it could get not only your data, but you were also sharing with it data about your friends or things that have been gathered about your friends. So this was a way that even if you hadn't given that very specific app of some of your Facebook data, right. it got leaked through this app. And then once there's access to that, yeah. it's in the hands of people that you didn't necessarily want it to be in the hands of. So what? So is it, were they doing anything against the rules or did they just kind of figure out a way to do this? That's a really good question. Yeah. So I actually looked this up. Technically, according to the Facebook terms of service, apps are not allowed to gather any information besides what you told them uh, that they could gather. But right. you know, it's a murky area. Right. If you told the app, you can have data on my friends and what I know about my friends inside the platform, 
the extent to which that constitutes consent from your friends is very murky. Sure. And whether or not Facebook actually enforces that is kind of a black box. Sure. It also makes me want to go trim my friends list, right? <laughs> right. Because there's some people there that I wouldn't trust with that. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes you hear people talk about these things called shadow mm. profiles, where even if someone isn't on Facebook or maybe there's data you haven't shared with Facebook, Facebook can kind of infer something about you. Mm. So if you know these couple of people and you shop in these kinds of places, maybe they've bought some data sets from elsewhere, like maybe they've bought what kinds of purchases you make or all of these data sets that all sorts of companies use, they can start to put together a profile about you even if you haven't explicitly shared data with them. Right. And then people start to feel a little like big brothery. Sure. So it sounds like, I mean, first of all, it sounds to me like that's just the logical end of Facebook's ad targeting, right? Because right. they were gathering information and just got better and better and better. And it sounds like what Cambridge Analytica did uh, was just, it took it to the extreme and they did it very well, I would assume. So what is it that compelled Congress to have Mark Zuckerberg come and testify? The Cambridge Analytica insider guy, the whistleblower, right? Yeah, yeah. So, the, so I don't, I don't have a lot of the details, no but closer. I think he was a developer or a um, numbers guy putting working on the algorithms, and I think after the fact, sort of whether it was some kind of remorse or moral conscience kind of thing, he he sort of came forward at a big interview in England, which is where it's obviously based, and. That's how people that's how became aware of it. Yeah. And uh, Facebook knew, right? They were sitting on this for a while. Yeah, you, it, it kind of gets the impression. I mean, the funny thing about Facebook is they have always been really clear that this is what they're doing in the sense of they are collecting data on right. people right. who use their account. You know, there's sort of that, that joke that floats around the Internet. If the product is free, the product is you. That's right. So Facebook has always been really explicit with people. Hey, we ask for your permission to gather this data and then we gather it and then we use it to serve you ads. Mm -hmm. And that's how we make money. And sort of the, one of the moments that people make fun of in that big congressional hearing is Senator Orrin Hatch uh -huh. asks Mark Zuckerberg, yeah. how does Facebook make money? And right. Zuckerberg looks kind of perplexed for a minute and he just says, Senator, we run ads. That's right. Like, so to Facebook, they're sort of like, this is all so simple. We told you all of this. But as users, we don't think about it every day when we're right. running around the Internet liking sure. things. Sure. Well, and a sort of sub story to this was the extent to which the uh, elected officials who were questioning him did not appear to know the first thing about how Facebook worked. And I understand Orrin Hatch is 93 years old. I don't necessarily <laughs> expect him to. But their questions were like just bizarre and you know, way out. It, it, it was just as somebody who who elects these people to make policy that's going to protect me. I was I was made very nervous by what I would consider a demonstrated lack of understanding of even the most basic of Facebook pr principles. Yeah, I'd say that's absolutely true, and I would say a couple of takeaways for us as consumers, maybe wherever you stand on the Cambridge Analytica issue, is one. I think it's really empowered people to think about their relationship to their own data and how much data they right. either want to explicitly give out or how they want to think about things like data being tied to them that right. maybe they don't control through their friends. But also, like you said, the internet, there's some sort of basic literacy, some how does the internet work things that a lot of us have been blissfully ignorant of, me included. I've yeah. learned a lot. Of, you know, I thought I knew how these platforms work, but because of the Cambridge Analytica scandal, I've learned new things that I didn't realize that affect my life every day. So if it's empowering people and professionals and especially lawmakers to learn about this stuff, yeah. I think that has power. Sure. Well, and the and the other aspect that that prompts in my mind is is the recent legislation that now your service providers can share or sell 
all of your internet traffic, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So whether it's Facebook or Google or web searches or whatever, that's now available. Matter of fact, I just got a yeah, what uh, antivirus. I just about? got an antivirus update, and it's telling me, hey, people can see your your location, they can see your IP address, they can see your traffic, which you know, in the context of this conversation, yeah. is a bit frightening. Yeah. What were you talking about right before we started recording on downloading your data from Google? Well, yeah. So I started thinking about, okay, well, I went and did the little test that Facebook says, you know, were you part of this? Yeah. Amazingly, it said probably not, Mine which was, which was super yep. surprising. But then I started thinking about, okay, well, the Google, right? I've used Google for much longer sure. than I've used Facebook. Sure. And I went to the place you can download your data. And it downloaded like gigabytes worth of stuff, oh 45 zip files that I'm afraid to open and look at. Yeah. Because I know I've seen articles, if you have Google on your phone, it's tracking every place you go, whether you have the app open or not, like stuff like that. I have to think there are more things like Cambridge Analytica that are happening that we have right. no clue about. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think human nature is... All right, if you collect some data on what I like and you serve up relevant ads, I'm, I'm cool with that. But when you're doing sort of predictive analytics that are scarily accurate about what I'm going to do, I feel like it's an assault on free will almost, you know? I had that. I had a similar thing where I pulled up, I got a new iPhone, right? And I and I was getting ready, I was going to, so I have a pretty routine day. I, I come to work early, I go to the gym, you know, I, I go home about this certain time. And I looked at my phone and it and it I didn't touch it. It yeah. comes up with a notification. It says, you know, seven minutes to get to the Worthington Rec Center. I'm like, oh my wow. God, this has my routine. Yeah. That it's it was it's, it's freaky. Yeah, like related to that, again, I th- I think I'm pretty tech savvy. And even I sometimes yeah. have that creepy feeling that Facebook's listening to me. Now I've I've like through my microphone, like they yeah. must know what I'm thinking, what yeah. I'm saying. And I've done some homework on that for yeah. the podcast. Sure. And all research suggests that they're not. That's right. You know, that they're not listening to your microphone. They're not in your head. It's right. just that their predictive analytics are so, so strong. Yep. And if you mix that with a little bit of extra data, you know, you can do things like, well, if Mike is typically at location X every morning at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. and he's always at this certain kind of gym and he always looks at this certain kind of product at night after dinner on his phone, maybe I should serve him an ad about blah, blah, blah. And it's going to feel to Mike like they've read his mind. Yeah. Yeah. So here's where I think it'll... We'll, we'll have achieved the singularity. Uh, <laughs> the music that I have liked on Facebook is not music I actually like. It's music that friends of mine produce, <laughs> right? Like anybody I ever know who's in a band's like, hey, like my band's Facebook page. Yeah. So Facebook's understanding of the music I like is is way different than my actual one. So the day that Facebook suddenly goes, hey, we know you just like those because you happen to know these people. <laughs> <laughs> and also, no, no offense to any of my friends in bands who are listening. I'm not talking about your band, I'm sure. <laughs> what about this notion of we're just a platform? It seems like lots of social networks start there. You know, now Facebook is grown so big. It's like they're just starting to accept responsibility for what people put on there. Yes, I, I may be a bit cynical just given my experience, but I think most tech companies are going to say whatever answer gets them off the hook the easiest. Qu- yeah, quickest, right? right? So w- when it suits them to be a platform, they're a platform until it doesn't suit them anymore and then they're something else. I think it's an interesting question of, you know, I would really love to unlock the black box of how Facebook thinks about itself. 
Like, is that in fact how they think about themselves? Sure. You know, do they really feel like we're a data platform and this just happened and we're very surprised? Or is it that they've kind of always known all along this is where the real revenue is? It's in this very nuanced predictive analytics data mm -hmm. targeting thing. Sure. And I think that might be how it ended up in front of Congress. It sort of raises this, do companies like this have an ethical obligation to consumers or does the government have an ethical obligation to consumers to limit or regulate this kind of activity just like they might regulate a financial monopoly on an industry? And I think right now the, there are no clear answers on that and that's why this has been such an interesting issue. Sure. But in, but they, they've gotten so big, mm -hmm. you know, and so many people are using it that I feel like we're holding them to a higher expectation than like, you know, there's like Messenger, which is entirely anonymous and pedophiles use it, right? And and there's, well, we're just a platform. We're not going to get involved with that, right? I think it does. It raises the issue of like, why do things get big on the internet? And they get big because when things are big, they can facilitate certain kinds of behavior. Yeah. So things like Facebooks and Googles make it possible for marginalized people of all kinds, you know, people with right. a very, very small, rare disease to find each other. Sure. They make it possible for people who are bedridden to communicate with you. There's all sorts right. of, I could give a million examples. Mm -hmm. But I think it does raise that question of bigness, I think, raises the profile in the public. But does bigness enable certain things that give us certain services or abilities and we're willing to pay the price somehow? And mm -hmm. I think those are the questions people are asking. So I, I have friends who have either actually deleted their Facebook account since this Cambridge Analytica stuff or have seriously considered it. And a lot of them who said, I can't, it's because of one of those issues or something that they get from that huge provider that they feel they can't replace. Yeah. Have either of you rethought your use of Facebook or looked at your your privacy settings or anything like that because of this? I have. I've been thinking about it. Um, Facebook, I don't really do a ton of stuff with and I never do games and apps and that stuff. So I'm sure they have a fair amount of insight to me, but it's not anything that I wouldn't tell anybody walking down the street. But I am starting to think about, you know, maybe my browsing habits and search engine habits and sort of maybe pulling this blind down on that a bit and sort of stepping behind the curtain for that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. I've always kind of been that nerd who had lots of attempts to control my data and tracking. Yeah. So like things, yeah. a simple example, I've had an extension called Ghostery on sure. my browsers for ages and ages, which tracks what kinds of various trackers are on any website yeah. and gives you the chance to turn a lot of them off. And I review my Facebook settings regularly. And I'm only saying that because for the first time in all the years I've been doing that, I've probably been doing that for four or five years. Now I'm getting questions about it from my friends. You know, Jen, mm -hmm. can you come to my house and show me how you do that? Yeah. And I think that's a really empowering moment that people are starting to take control of their data. Sure. But it's also a question of privilege. You know, do you have two hours? Because in a lot of right. cases, it takes hours sure. to lock all your stuff down. A lot of people don't have that kind of time. You know, they're working three jobs. So I think one of the most interesting parts of this debate that I've heard about is, you know, people say, oh, I'll just delete my Facebook account. What about the people who truly can't, not just because they it's a lifeline somehow, right. but they, they don't have time for this. So it becomes an issue of, you know, does the government or do corporations or do we, whoever, does somebody have an obligation to protect others on these huge platforms? So, and I've also been thinking a lot about the things that are out of my control. You know, things right. like Cam Cambridge Analytica remind me, it doesn't matter how tight my stuff right. is locked down. If my mobile phone is in the num is in the contacts list of any of my friends and they share data, yeah. that's it. It's out there. Yeah. So how much I can and can't control is an interesting issue. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I also do, and this has been a habit for a long time too, you know, sites will sign up, they want your birthday and phone number. So I have some sort of throwaway profile. So I, it's 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 a fake birthday. Mm -hmm. It maybe it's a Google Voice number that right. I never, ever use. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not really, you know, that sort of stuff. And there I know there are sites where you can get burner emails and, you know, for signing up for stuff like that. So, my, so Mike, your first name's actually Tim, right? Right. And so when someone calls the house and asks for Tim, you know, I know he's not home. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know exactly. that's a, yeah, telemarketer. So yeah. yeah, like I uh I think I got a Yahoo email account in nineteen ninety six. Yeah. And like that's what I use to sign up for stuff that I know it's gonna just be bothering me. And, I looked the other day. It's got like 184,000 unread emails. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised it's still functioning, yeah. right? Like, they... Yeah, I remember there was a point in my life where like I paid Yahoo $20 a year so I could store up to a gigabyte of email. Oh, wow. Here, here's something, and I don't know if you'll know this or if this is a curveball, but I keep hearing that Europe does data protection better, right? That people in the EU have more control over their data. Well, and they have a big privacy thing that's coming, if not just recently, it's coming up very soon, a big privacy law in Lots of tech companies, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, whatever, are scrambling to meet their stricter requirements. So I don't know what the details are, but you see a lot of it's, there's an acronym, SPDG, some sort of something, yeah. privacy thing that um, I'll be curious to see if we don't follow suit in some form. I don't know that we'll get all the way there, but. Mike's looking at me like maybe I could follow up and I cannot. <laughs> he has he has just said 15% more than I knew about yeah. it. Sure, sure. Yeah, so I see, I I keep seeing this going by of all these companies and MailChimp and anybody who has anybody's customer, customer data. And it's, it sounds to me like, okay, well, you have it. Now you've got to go and re-verify all this stuff Mm -hmm. to make sure that you're now meeting this new law. Whether you gathered it yesterday or 10 years ago, you got to go re-verify all your data to meet this. Well, and it sounded to me from, from Mark Zuckerberg's testimony that I read, uh, you know, they are trying to get more humans involved in the in the review process, whether it's ads or news stories or what what's been. But but we know that humans don't scale, right? So I feel like they're they're telling Congress to put humans there until they have an algorithm that they think can do the job. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that you know does that, is it just going to create this bottleneck on their revenue stream of it's going to take longer to get your ads approved? I've, I've run a couple ads the last few times. You run Facebook ad campaigns? Yeah, I run them every now and then for my little small business. And there's always like you, you put it in and then you have to wait till it's approved. I don't know if it's a human looking at it or an algorithm, but it usually can take eight hours. 10 hours sometimes. Yeah, it can take a few hours. And like you said, it's it's interesting to having seen it from the back end, what you can target. So right. for example, like a new thing I noticed this year for my business is I can target not only customers who have certain affinities, but there's this one, it, it's called something like, it means essentially impulse shopper, like right. very likely to buy a thing that they look at online one time. Right. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. yeah so, so that sort of thing to me has felt pretty new and fresh. And I sort of feel like whether that's coming from Cambridge Analytica or not, we're in that world now of not just knowing what you're like, but being able to predict how you behave. And that's very interesting. And it does, to reference Pete's comment from earlier, it does seem like sort of the natural progression of things, right? Where if you get device, then I want impulse, but like you, Mm -hmm. it just continues until something like this happens and then we'll see, see see where it goes. Yeah. Well, definitely keep an eye on it. We did final thoughts. Any, any other final thoughts on privacy in general, the bigger story here? Well, to me, I think it's it's just sort of one of those silver lining kind of things and something bad happens and then you re-examine your usage right. of things right. and just what's out there. So almost like a wake-up call. Yeah. And I know I have done that. I'm guessing probably uh, a lot of other folks just to kind of take an inventory of what are you spreading around out there or what are people getting. Right, right. Yeah, I'd say the same. I'd say that if there's any personal takeaway, it's for everybody to consider learning a little bit more about this through things like this podcast, understanding right. it at least a little bit. 
And then reevaluating your settings. So, for example, you know, everyone's going to have different sources. I can say for me, a thing I've been doing in the last week is spending a little bit more time on the website of Electronic Frontier Foundation. They're kind of at the vanguard of what you can and can't do. And I'm not saying all of our listeners need to do the same thing, but finding a source that you trust to help you understand these issues and deciding what you are and aren't willing to give up and what you are and aren't willing to do to lock down your data. And and anything you're using for free yeah. is not free. Is a service that is That's probably right. not ultimately free, and you may want to give that some That's thought. Right. And I like EFF because nobody reads terms and conditions, right? Here's my 25 pages of but they they often write up summaries and say, this is what you're actually agreeing to there. So so some links in the show notes. We want to get uh, the Facebook test that you guys took. Yep. What was the name of the, the Chrome extension you use? Ghostery. Oh, Ghostery. Ghostery. Yeah, we can link to that. That's free. Yeah, and um, a couple other things in there, so... But uh, keeping an eye on, I, you know, I, I have a lot of Facebook friends and, and of all different political stripes, but yep. I can't take the stress in my life by seeing some of that stuff from people who are really uh, on the far end from me and real kind of obnoxious about it. And so I, I've hidden them all. Yep. Right. And my, I'm curious if Cambridge Analytica thinks like, like, do they know I've hidden them? So therefore my politics must be over here. Or did I not, do I need to unfriend them? You know, and I, I feel like I don't want to unfriend anybody. But I also don't want you shouting in my face about this thing. <laughs> yeah. I've done the same thing too, and and I would ga- I would venture to to guess that, you know, they're doing something. So this person is mindset X, and you're a mindset Y. You've hidden them, therefore, right? Right. Uh, there's probably some inferences there that can be made. Yeah, I don't. I don't work for them and I don't know, but I do know that they, they've been very public about their use of Facebook likes. So I would imagine, Pete, they don't need to know that. Right. You know, they just sort of look at, well, what are you liking publicly? So right. I'm thinking, especially if you're like liking a sponsored post on Facebook, you know, you see an ad and then you like it or you contribute yep. to the conversation there, then they've recorded, oh, this is something you do have an affinity for. Yeah. And then they can kind of backwards infer what you don't have an affinity for. Yeah, they got you. Okay. Well, thanks both of you for coming in and for doing the homework here <laughs> <laughs> so we could get a podcast out. It's been about six weeks and, you know, it's good and sign the agency's business flow is healthy, but I know we like coming in here and taking a look at the bigger picture. So, Jen Michaels, Mike Taylor, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Pete. Something on the Annie Wilson is in the booth now. Hi. Hello. Now, typically, uh, when I bring people in for this challenge, I say something like, what is your job again? Because I usually don't know, (laughs) which is odd because it's a small company, but still. I know what your job is because you've been editing video for me. Yes. And uh, I want to say you've worked here a week and a half now? It's like a month. It's been a month? Yes. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Maybe a little longer, actually, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, now that I think about it, it's been a little while. <laughs> it does feel like a week, though. You're yeah. right. It's flown by. But you've been amazingly productive, and your work's been fantastic. Well, so uh, this is your first uh, real job out of college. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, I would say. That okay. would be my first. Uh, and you came to us from Columbia College. Yes. Um, I moved here from L.A., worked there for about three years. Oh, that's right. So you were doing PA work. Is yes, that right? So Ingesting video, yeah, working on reality, so too. Actually, so, so that's a real job. So yeah. we're really your second real job. But I feel like I'm a real job doing what I like to do. What you, you know? like to do, yeah, right? So actually, so, creating. So. That's right. Uh, and you came back here. Your folks are here. Is that like in your yes? Home? That's and right. my, my sister, some other family. So. How are you finding Columbus? I like it. It's fun. I feel like we always say like we're cool in a Midwestern way, but you've lived in LA, so I'm wondering how we compare in Chicago. Well, I feel like I like Columbus a lot because it's like a like a small big city. Yeah. You know, or a big whatever. Uh, like you know, yeah. I, like it's. Um, 
always feel like I could get easily swallowed up in like Chicago and yeah. LA, but like here yeah. it's like you can really, yeah. everything's very attainable, yeah. but still cool. Yeah. So I like it. People are all like two degrees connected here in some way. Right? Uh, yeah. Like, so. like, I had a meeting with this guy and someone like, oh, I know him. Yeah. So very common. Yeah. Okay. So this is the uh, something on the internet guaranteed to make you laugh challenge. Now, did you listen to any of the previous attempts at this? I did listen to a few. Okay. Um, I know. I think feel like I gained from it that like animal things were a good way to <laughs> there go. There's definitely people like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I also like had to scour like my old Tumblr because I was like nice. that's where I used to really like a lot of funny videos. Yeah. So so you had a Tumblr where you just kind of put funny stuff. Yeah, I mean, I had a like I feel like any young person in their teens like a you had dumb a Tumblr. Tumblr. Yeah. yeah, but I mostly just used it to like things, not yeah. actually blog. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still looking for someone to explain Tumblr to me. Not that I don't understand how it works. I just I don't understand it as a community, like how people get involved in it. Yeah, I think maybe I'm too old. No, I, I mean I never really got it either. I was in college when it became popular, yeah. and I feel like it's definitely more for like high schoolers. Yeah, you know? so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So because my Tumblr about reading glasses is just not taking off at all. No, <laughs> there's like a niche for everything. Right. You would think. I know. <laughs> all right, let's get all to right, it and check see. this out. What it is. Here, I'll come so. Over here so I can see we're looking on your phone. I got today. Okay. All right. Let me describe what I'm looking at. Is this on YouTube or? I, I don't know. Yes, probably. Okay. But I found this on old. So we'll need a link for the show notes. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at a door. This is funny already. And that's a, is that like a hawk? Some type of bird. Some sort of bird is like standing at the back door of this house and just screeching. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. Oh my god, I wonder what kind of bird that is. It could be a That's haunting. I know. It's like it's <sighs> it's a it's it's funny fight. and it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And it ends, so we don't know what happened. We don't. What do you think happened? I, I would have opened the I feel door. like he must have messed up somehow. I like you must have done something for a bird to be that mad at you. Yeah. <laughs> would you open the door? I totally would. I'd be like, let's see where this goes. <laughs> let's square up, man. <laughs> maybe he flew into the door and he was mad. Maybe. He's like that complaining. could be a thing. Yeah. Maybe, you know. But it wasn't like an all-glass door. It had yeah, it panels. Had <laughs> that was unbelievable. Yes. So weird and funny. Yeah. That's the goal. So here in Columbus, and I don't know if you know this, we have the eastern bluebird, which is an endangered species, but there's quite a few around here. And for some reason, one year, one lived in our backyard, and it kept coming when you would be at the breakfast table and come sit at the window and watch you. Oh and pet. I have some incredible videos. They're not quite as funny because yeah. it didn't scream, but it was unbelievable. It was like, I was like, he wants to come in here. I know. Birds, so. birds are scary a little bit. Like, I've had like a swan attack my feet before. Yeah. Like, I've had weird yes. bird experiences. Swans are not nice birds, that's you for know. sure. I studied abroad in Australia. Lots yeah. of magpies. Oh, uh, yeah. Evil. Yeah. So. <laughs> when I was in the Peace Corps in Russia, they say if you see a magpie, it means you're going to have a guest, huh. which is uh, a nice way to put it, but you see them everywhere. Yeah. It's uh, impossible to have that many guests. <laughs> they also say you're going to have a guest if you drop a fork. So I actually feel like I've heard that one. There you go. Those are the Russians. Wow. Um, so let me ask you this. What's your favorite bird? My favorite bird? I think like a blue heron. Oh, yeah. Like weird and tall. They are, right? They're, they're very graceful. But, but graceful, royal. Yeah. It's kind of sick, stick to themselves. So yeah. that's a good choice. Yeah. Okay, Annie. Well, uh, I'm glad you're here at the agency with us. I'm super excited about it. I'm glad it. to be here. I'm glad you got through your first <laughs> Make Me Laugh challenge. I'm glad I made you laugh. I was really nervous. <laughs> I know. Did you listen to the one where it didn't work? I couldn't find it, actually. Okay, so but I, everyone you. else, it was like, all right. Yeah, back, I think it's, it's episode four. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It was it was an uncomfortable, and it was a three-minute video. Oh, no, that's the worst. <laughs> like, that's oh, why you have to keep it short yeah, and yeah. brief. And I hope that intern went on and got a good job because she didn't come back here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, good times, Anne. All right. 
Alright, so joining me now in the booth is Matthew Weiner. Oh, hey Pete, you can you can just call me Weiner. Thanks, Weiner. Appreciate you got Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Yeah. Could you be any more East Coast? I, I switched gas where's stations. Your, where's your BU sweatshirt? <laughs> so you have a gas station that has Dunkin' well, Donuts I, in it. Well, I switched just so I can go to the one by the Dunkin' now. Nice. Yeah. I uh, I drove all the way downtown today. I was late for a meeting, and it might, I was like on the last last blip of gas in my car <laughs> and I was nervous and hard to find gas down there. Mm-hmm. All right. So you don't know why you're here at all. No, no idea. No. Okay. Uh, so before, before I get to it, first, let me ask you this. Are, are you following the 76ers being from Philadelphia? L- loosely. In, I, the, in the way that you're a sports fan. Yeah. I, I saw they beat the heat. Yeah. Yeah. They look awfully good. actually. That's yeah. I'll trust different. the process. Okay. So, you know, I was in New York over spring break. Vaguely. Yeah. yeah. Did, I, did I know that? Well, I was in Ireland and then I was in New York. Right. It's certainly not your job to You're doing, stay, stay, stay doing the, the rest of my travel plans. <laughs> so you did the whole Daniel Day Lewis tour. There was tour. a time where my wife said, maybe Wiener can stay with the dogs. I'm like, we have four dogs and one's disabled. I think it's beyond <laughs> Wiener's abilities. So, um, so I was in New York and with my family. And something my wife and I did, like we went to New York on our 10th anniversary. Uh-huh. And when we were there, we uh, went to uh, like a tarot card reader. Okay. Just, you know how they just on the street were passing by. Yeah. So. We're there with our kids, and uh, we went to this tarot card reader because we thought that'd be fun. And so she uh, she read my palm, actually, okay? Mm-hmm. And she said uh, a lot of very, uh, you know, tarot card-y, reader-y things. <laughs> You're going to go to a wedding, you know. But she said, you work with two men. One is older than you, and one is younger than you. And the older one will give you good guidance, but you got to keep your eye on the younger one. <laughs> And there's only two men that work here. And one is Mike, and he's older than me, and he often gives me good guidance, <laughs> which means the younger one is you. So I, I brought you on here live to confront you and say, what are you planning? What am I supposed to be keeping my eyes on, Wiener? Yeah, wow. I, that's, so you think she says that sort of thing to everyone and just got lucky that we only have like two guys in the office? And- well, if you think about it, like anywhere, like I could be in a big corporation and mm-hmm. I could be like, oh, there are two guys that I work with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But you're trying to under Kai C. That's called a pivot. That's there, a- <laughs> so you have, you have no, it's a tough cold read. Yeah. <laughs> As of right now, there's nothing that you need to tell me. No, no, no I can't. Okay. No, no, nothing for the pod. Yeah, everything you're 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 happy over there in your cubicle doing the LinkedIn stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's been a busy busy few weeks. We've got. I, I don't think I've ever seen you busier, to be honest. I, I, you know what? I honestly don't think I've been busier. Yeah, that's why I didn't try and schedule this because I would never have gotten. It. I was just grabbed Wiener. I'm like, you got to come in here for a few minutes. So. <laughs> All right, so we can close this out uh, saying that at least you know I now have both eyes on you. <laughs> so if you're planning something, but maybe she meant keep an eye on you, like, like. Uh, you're going to do something great, and I need to be the person to notice it. Yeah, there we go. Let's let's, let's go with that. Yeah, because <laughs> odds are I wouldn't notice it. So, all right, Wiener. Well, uh, our numbers always go up when you're on the podcast too. So I'm glad we're just sneaking you in here let's at see. the end. We'll, we'll see if that keeps up after this one. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks, Wiener. <laughs> thanks, Pete. Once again, my thanks to Mike Taylor and Jen Michaels for coming on the show and talking about Facebook. Folks, check out the show notes. We have links to more reading on this situation, as well as links to some of the services we talked about. Also, thanks to Annie Wilson. Great job on the Something on the Internet Guaranteed to Make Me Laugh Challenge. You'll see a link to the video in the show notes as well. Do check it out. It is 
It is funny, but it's also weird. If you take a look at it and uh, you think that you, like me, would open the door to see what happened, go ahead and tweet at us. Let us know. We're at Mindset Digital. Finally, my thanks to Matt Wiener. We brought him into the studio cold. I don't think he knew what was waiting for him. I am keeping my eyes on him. That's for sure. I'm nobody's fool. All right, Brivel, take us home. The Mindset Digital Podcast is brought to you by Mindset Digital. We bring workforces up to speed in our fast-forward digital world. If you like the show, please recommend us to a friend, or even better, leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps. Have questions, comments, or ideas about the podcast you want to share with our team? Send them to podcast at mindsetdigital.com. This episode was produced by Pete Brown and featured Jen Michaels, Mike Taylor, Annie Wilson, and me, Brielle Schultz. Some music in today's show is courtesy of the website audionautics.com and is licensed under Creative Commons 3.0. We'll be back in a few weeks with another episode. Until then, and as always, good times, everybody. Good times. Good times.